Hello, and welcome back to Hollywood at Home with the Creative Coalition, hosted by Robin Bronk. It's your moment to hear the unfiltered backstory of Hollywood's biggest stars. So sit back, relax, and listen in, as today, we have the pleasure of welcoming executive producer Effie T. Brown to the hot seat. How are you? Last we saw each other was at the Toronto Film Festival when we were awarding you. No, we were awarding Amy. But thank you. Oh, we were Amy. Why why weren't we awarding you for your great movie (laughs) that premiered at Toronto? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was for Amy Redford. Um, It was really, yeah. No, she's awesome. It was. was, But see, like, people all, they think that if you're there, you're winning an award, right? There's no other. No, it was nice to be able to be like, woo. I'm not on the hook, you know what I mean? I just get to high five someone that I respect. So that was all good. And you are a very good presenter. But let's talk about your film that was at Toronto. Talk a little bit about it. Oh, my goodness. So um, so we did the inspection. And I, I have to say, Toronto was, we were opening night film. And that was the very beginning of our run. And now we're sort of, I don't want to say nearing the end, but like, oh, it's been so great. It's been really great. And then, you know, the inspection, as you know, is based off of the real life story of our director, Elegance Bratton, who was kicked out of his house for about, you know, 10 or so years, right, for being gay. And his mother, um, his mother disowned him and he went into the military during the time of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And so what this movie is really about, you know, it's it's a very it's a hopeful movie. It's not like one of those tragic, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but it has a lot of humor in it. It's hopeful. And it really is about building camaraderie and what is family of choice versus family of blood and like being loyal and toxic masculinity, like all those things. And it was really so that was what the movie was about. And we've gotten really sort of wonderful reviews. You know, we've been on several top 10 lists you know, for the year, including Time Magazine. And we got a Golden Globe nomination for Jeremy Pope and, you know, three, you know, three or so Spirit Award nominees, nomination. So we're really, really excited. And then we also were really lucky enough to be the closing night film of the New York Film Festival this year, which was a really big honor. And um, a lot of, you know, that was like one of, one of the highlights of my career, I'm going to say. Yeah. And um, where can we see the inspection today, currently? You can see it all over. Um, like I said, and actually, uh, you can see it all over. It's at, you know, it's in theaters now, Art House Theaters, but it's also getting ready to come uh, online as well. Um, so you'll be able to like, just turn on your TV and be able to like to rent wherever you rent your movies. Or buy, <laughs> and you're assuming- first you have to buy it, and then later on, you're going to be in the renting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get let's get every level of it. No, you assume literally. Like, I'm like, please team. help me recoup my financing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Please always, that. always. That's what we do at the Creative Coalition. I appreciate that because it's real. We co-finance this movie with A24, so it's been. It was this was one of the um, well, we did passing. Um, I re- I took over Game Changer in 2020, and um, we did passing. We recently did Stranger with a Camera. We did um, Run Sweetheart Run with Amazon, and then we did this movie, The Inspection, where we co-financed it with A24. Well, we will make sure that money comes back, or we'll do our part. Do the best you can. You know what I mean? Just I'll, see it. <laughs> I'll do the best I can. Just like, and you, it. well, based on your track record, real women have curves, dear white people. 
HBO's Project Greenlight. I mean, you got a pretty good track record. And Lee Daniels' star. I mean, I can go on and on. Can we talk? Can we go down F.E.T. Brown, memory lane? Because it's just fascinating you know, where you are, what you've done. Real women have curves. Why were you attracted to that project? Well, you know, that was one of the, I, I really have to always give a high five to a woman named Maud Nadler, who was working at HBO Films when you, HBO Films could be theatrical as well as before, you know, before all that. And she gave me the script along with George Levu, and I loved it. And we brought on uh, Patricia Cardoso, Josefina Lopez. It was based off of a play. And, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out, like, if you, anyone looks at my filmography, my filmography has always been about women, people of color, LGBTQ+, and people with disability. Like, I've all, from my very first movie to what I'm doing now, I've been about one of those, you know, one of those, you know, groups, you know? That's where I feel most comfortable, and that's where I feel that the most amplification of stories need to be told, you know? And then I was like, when do we ever get to see a Latina, you know, coming-of-age story like, you know, I mean, like I had like now maybe, but like back then, like, no. So back then it was, so, you know, with Lupe Ontiveros, yeah. like in America Fer- Ferreira, like literally she was like one of the first people that we saw, like came in and we're like, no, we couldn't have found our person. You know what I mean? In the first draw. And we looked for like nine months more. And then we're like, no, this is really the girl that we saw first week is the girl. Right. And now she's America. Right. You know what I mean? She's amazing. But it was such a long time ago. And it's so it, great was, that- it was 20 years ago, right? 20 something years ago. I mean, it was one of those moments where, you know, um, I'm grateful to have been a part of the Academy Museum. Um, and when looking at the Academy Museum and then being like, who's that young person sitting in, you know, Roman have curves? And I was like, oh, shit, that's me. Like, you know what I mean? To be able to look back and be like, wow, it was a long time ago. It was like 50 pounds ago and 20 years yeah. <laughs> You know, like, yeah, I think I, I think I had that same timeline. <laughs> right. You know, you had that moment where you're like, come oh, on, like, like I was such a baby. Then like, what was I worried about? You know, anyway. Yeah. I know, P.S. It's like when you see pictures like 20 years ago, oh, that wasn't a good picture. Now we look at it. It's like, oh no, I looked really good. I was a supermodel. I'm like, how am I What? I'm like, Halle so, Berry has nothing on me. What are you talking about? Right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so America. America is young. I mean, very even younger than I it's mean, one of her first jobs. And why? Why America? Why, why did you cast her in that? America was. I mean, I think when you sometimes when you go into casting of a movie, you always are really, really hopeful. I know a lot of times actors are like feeling like we're, you know, like we're ready to rip them to shreds, but we're really, really hopeful. We're really hopeful that they're the ones that can make it. And she came in. And she was sophisticated and innocent, naive, but yet world, like all of those things that like when you're a teenager, you think you are, right? Like, you know, you think you're all that, you have it together, but literally also, you know, that like, you know, nothing, you're scared to death and all of that. And she was able to show up. She was a consummate professional, but also show up, you know, that sort of vulnerability, you know, which I think is really important. And so hard as an, I mean, I love it when an actor is able to do that, but that's one of the bravest things. And she had that in spades. And it was 20 years ago. So she was a kid at that point. Were there, and it was very sensitive subject area that you really figured out with finesse. Did you have to explain it to her to like, how did, 
How did they get? She the, got she it. Got, I mean, that's the thing. She got it very. She was a Latina coming of age. So like, that's the thing where, you know, a lot of times in talking about what we do, right. When we're able to amplify and like, let's tell different types of stories that aren't centered on the white male gaze or just the white gaze. You know what I mean? Nothing really has to be explained to people. It's like, Oh, I get to tell my story. I got you. I have that deep understanding. I know what's up. You know, and so she didn't have to be explained anything. And Josefina Lopez wrote a wonderful play. And it was not just about her. It was about how a girl is fitting within her extended family and a family that's an immigrant family. Right. And also and like, what's the American dream and how do you go about it? And like, what is like feminism work in the very sort of traditional patriarchal sort of culture? Like it's all those things that she knew. And it's all those things that I have to say that a lot of people of color and probably a lot of people identify culturally, understand. Like those are very base things that sort of show up in a lot of different cultures. And George Lopez was in it too, right? George Lopez was in it, Lupe Antaveras. Like we had really wonderful, and Patrice, like I always have to give like love to our director, Patricia Cardoso, which is also really interesting. Like she made this movie and couldn't find a job for years after, even though it was critical acclaim. What's up with that? If it wasn't for like truly- I think- I think it was too early that you, I mean, it's, it, I, I, whoever owns it, it's, I hope they because really like it. White boys do it all the time. They do a movie and they're able to find a movie like that just because she's a Latino and like she won a bunch of awards. She didn't, you know what I mean? To be like, oh, you're not going to make another movie for 10 more years until Ava DuVernay yeah. comes in and gives you a job. Right. You know what I mean? It's just interesting yeah. to be like, this is what it looks it, like. Tell me about Dear White People. Um, so I did a film in, uh, great. One of my favorite movies. It's just, I love that movie. Justin Simeon wrote a remarkable movie called Dear White People. And he did something that um, I think a lot of people now copy, which is he did a proof of concept, like a trailer that was so good. People thought it was a movie. Right. You know what I mean? I did. I was like, I'm going to go see that. And he's like, no, 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 girl, I need someone to produce this. I'm like, OK, got it. So, you know, so it was really wonderful being able to be brought on to that movie. And he had his like core group of friends that he's been with for like such a long time and that has helped nurture to make the movie. And then I got brought on to sort of bring it over, you know, the finish line. And that was great. We shot that in Minnesota. I'd done a couple movies in Minnesota, Minneapolis, and I love shooting there. And they really sort of, you know, come, you know, with an open arm, you know, and they really did wonderfully by us. And I had a great time. I started thinking about that. That was one of the hardest shoots we've had to do. We had literally a week or two to prep that and we shot it. And then, you know, it became the success that it became. So what was the, I mean, I assume that to shoot it that quickly. So you're on a tight budget and you're in, you're in Minnesota. Yes. Doing it. So you have, you have probably a fairly new crew. Now, why did it end up in Minnesota? Uh, end up in Minnesota because there was a the film commission. Wait, wait, no offense, no offense to Minnesota. I know, really. I was like, very, I've done two movies in Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> I was like, why are you coming show it in Minnesota? No, Minnesota uh, was a great. I did two movies there. They're really great people, and the crews are actually experienced. People forget that there's a lot of Fortune 500 companies that are there. I think like Target's there and Best Buy. Like, there's a lot of companies that are based there, and it's big in advertising, right? Don't quote me on this. This is just what I remember. I may be full of shit, but that's what I am. That's my understanding. And um, the crews, they were really lovely. You know, they were really lovely and they had a cash rebate. And when we did that movie, I think it was like 1.4. It was something really, really tiny. And I had to bring my whole crew, my whole cast 
you know, along, you know what I mean? Per diem, lodging, the whole thing. It was a lot, you know what I mean? It was like we had to do a lot with a little and we had to have a place that like, you know, embraced us in order to make that happen. So you worked, you've done remarkable films on the tightest budget. So what is the FET Brown secret of, of doing that? I mean, that challenge. That's so funny. The FET Brown secret before it was youth. It was youth and enthusiasm. <laughs> now I'm old and tired. Right? <laughs> You know, you know, like, like now I don't want to do those movies anymore. Um, they're, they're very, they're, you have to really believe and you have to have an exorbitant amount of energy and chutzpah to make it, you know what I mean? To make it work, you know? Um, and you have to believe. And, but what's, uh, what's fortunate now, like I have one more movie that I'm doing. That's a little horror movie that I love um, that we're doing for, you know, for a price, because when something is a lower budget, you're able to give someone an opportunity. And a lot of my work has been about giving people, not giving, being a part of people's first opportunities. Like that I've been really blessed. And that's been sort of a mission for me as a producer. And that's for my company, you know? So usually they're not going to give like, here's $20 million. It's your first film. They're going to be like, here is five cents make it work. Right. You know, and we're like, and then unfortunately, unfortunately, we do know how to make it work on a little bit. Well, as I say, yeah, the thing with producers like you is that it's a challenge for you. Not like, not like, it's a challenge, but that's a space that I've, mm -hmm. how do I do it? How do you do it? I mean, that, that's what I've been, that's all I've ever done. So it's, it's hard to say like, how do you do it? I'm like, I've only, and this is not like a woe is me. But people weren't giving me big budgets to make movies. They were giving me no money to make movies. And it was usually the movies that people didn't necessarily believe in until it made money. Like, but I'm a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, talk about but I'm a cheerleader, that cult classic. It's a cult, right? And it was one of my very first movies. And I'm super grateful for Andrew Sperling, who was the producer who bought me on and Jamie Babbitt as the director. But those were like, you know, that was... You know, sort of a, you know, that was a satire, but it was about something very, very, you know, you know, um, really serious, right? You know, about trying to convert, it's a conversion camp, right? And so nobody at that time was like, let's give you a lot of money to do that. They were like, who is this? Clea Duvall, Natasha Leone, but we had a great main stole, Kathy Moriarty, Bud Court, you know, we Eddie Cibrian, like we did great, you know, and um you know, and that, but I'm just saying, like, I love that movie. And that also was, like, done for no money. We had to take everybody on location. And I love that movie. That's one of my favorite movies. Like, don't tell the other movies that I've done. But that's one of my favorite. One of my favorite oh. movies, favorite experiences that I've had. And then you did something that I thought at that point was kind of novel, Project Greenlight, which there, there wasn't. I mean, that was one of the first platforms to find new talent. That's like true. That. You know, and again, Project Greenlight, you know, we talked about this quite a bit. Like, I wasn't quite as familiar with Project Greenlight when it came up. I was doing, remember, we were talking about making movies for little to no money. So you don't get paid a lot of money. Like, it's hard to make your rent and your car payment. And I was really broke at the time. And that was when HBO, who I worked with before, was like, hey, we need a producer on this show called Project Greenlight. Will you make the movie for us? And I was like, thank you, HBO, you know, to make the movie that got me out of debt. It got me into a lot of other things as well. But like, it got me out of debt. So for that, I'm forever, you know, forever grateful. And in hindsight, you know, that experience was a really formative one for me. 
You know, I still talk to Jason, the director, who's really wonderful. And I speak to my first AD who I've worked before, Van Hayden. Like we all like, you know, we're like carnies, right? You know what I mean? People who are filmmakers, we go from movie to movie. We see so each what, other. What, what was, you, you said it, it was, there was some really, what was the most challenging about it? What? I think being on the, I think what was, um, what was something that was really challenging was doing your job on camera. That was probably one of the more challenging aspects of it, but like who won, you know what I mean? And always having a camera. I didn't realize how much I ate at the craft service table. That was probably the most challenging. (laughs) And this is not a lie. I'm not being funny. I literally was like, wow, I'm over at that craft service table all the time. And that's when I realized I had a sugar problem. And I was like, which I had to get rid of eventually. Where I was like, I think you might have a little bit of a sugar problem in a car. I know that <laughs> that craft services table. It'll get like you. A, um, it is like, and it's like a character in every movie. You know? It literally like, is. You're like, it's like your little friend. You're like, oh, this is what are you doing? Oh, you got donuts right now. And it's I like, know it's, yeah, it's veggies the, and ranch. Whatever. It's the it's the evil little friend. Like my daughter is a creative exec, and what do I, I don't even ask her about the uh, the whatever she's making. I'm like, oh, what was on craft services today? <laughs> so. Exactly. What was the hot food that they bought? Yeah. Like, what did they bring? The nachos. <laughs> I know. For people who don't know anything about craft service, I mean, craft service is like who are listening to this. Like craft service is a beautiful. Well, this is before the pandemic because now the craft service table is something. Right. Different. Before the pandemic, it was a table that was always set out with all of your favorite snacks and goodies, everything, candy, pastries, rice, crispy treats, everything. Can you see how excited? (laughs) This this is the most excited I've been this entire podcast. (laughs) I know. I'm like, and there's my gummy bears, and they had. You're like, you're like, easy, easy. I still have a sugar problem, as you can tell. Okay, back back to our scheduled program. So you had some great stars or who became stars. Were they stars at that point? Shia LaBeouf, you worked with um, the Farrelly no, brothers. No, I think you're, yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Like I, I was the last one. I think Issa Rae is taking over the new, we didn't have, um, Shia LaBeouf was a different one. I wasn't on all of those, just for one season. Okay, yeah, Shia LaBeouf was season two. What season were you? Oof, I don't know. The last season, I don't remember. I don't know what's how many seasons I had. Four or five. Uh, yeah. I yeah. I think it was season four. Season four. So yeah. Oh, you had the fair you had the Fairley brothers. Yes. Wow. What a great I mean, I, it sounds like a great experience in addition to craft services. <laughs> right. So now what you what are you looking to do? I mean, you have You've climbed the mountains, and what are you looking to do? I've not next? climbed the mountains, which is so interesting. There's so many more mountains to climb. You know what we're doing right now with Game Changer? We're actually building a fund so we can actually have more resources to deploy to filmmakers that are women, people of color, LGBTQIA, and people with disability. We're looking to do big popcorn, you know, movies, genre movies. Wait, um, wait, tell, tell, wait, 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 tell me, tell us about big about Game Changer. Like, I know what it is, but. Sure. So Game Changer, I took over Game Changer as CEO in 2020, and I'm currently the majority owner of Game Changer. But Game Changer started in 2013, and it started as a 
uh, a company that was a film fund for female directors. That's a lot of Fs to say. It's a film fund for female directors. And so they spent down that fund and then they were reinventing and sort of reorganizing themselves. And then they came to me to run, um, you know, to run Game Changer. And I said, you know, I love the idea about Game Changer, but instead of segregating off all of the marginalized people, let's all get together and then that way we'd be undeniable. So that's why women, people of color, LGBTQ plus IA and people with disabilities in front of and behind the scenes. That's very, very important. We can make our movies and be amp- and have our stories be amplified. And one of the things that we do that we're really clear about and I've always been clear about is you can't make something about us without us. So if you're making a film about people of color, you better have people of color in front of and behind the screen, women, people with disability, the whole thing, like you need to have that. And that's one of the things that we, you know, that we've been able to do. And we, what we've also wanted to do, you know, and on our website at www.gamechanger-films.com, um, it's, you know, we, people are like, what type of movies do you do? And I was like, let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to do poverty porn. We're not going to do where like the queer person dies in the movie. Like we're not going to do the woman need doesn't become whole until she finds a man. Like we're not doing those types of movies. We're not doing torture porn. We're not doing, you know what I mean? Like, like we're not doing that. Like the woe is me movies. It's not us. We want to do something that's thriller, action, sci-fi, horror, but it has us in it, right? You know what I mean? Being fully complicated, be people. Maybe we're the villain. Maybe we're the star. Maybe we're the sidekick, but we're there, right? You know what so, I mean? So, but, so you're, ch- you're changing typical. You're yeah, right, for you're sure. Making- yeah, so 100%. That's, like, that's the idea. And we were doing this before, like, you know, one of the things, and I'm really happy that the industry has sort of gotten tuned into like inclusivity and all of that. But like, you know, there's a, there's been a, there's quite a few of us that have been doing it our whole career. Like, if you go back to like, but I'm a cheerleader, right? That was like 80s. No, I'm sorry, not eight. Yeah. No, like early 90s. I think I'm trying to remember like when that was, but like that 90s was terrible. You know what I mean? Like, that was been like a long time ago. And every movie that I've done since then, or a group of us have been doing, we've always done movies that are a reflection of the world that we see, right? And they include all of us. So you've been in this long enough. You'd say the landscape is changing? Well, the landscape is most definitely changing. And I think it's changing for different reasons. When you're talking about inclusivity, 100%. Inclusivity is like, like oh, it's like, it's so good that people are doing this. It's like, People aren't being good. This is a business. This is show business, not show charity. They know. Right, right. I always it. say that. It's not show, well, how do you feel about it? It's a business. Yeah, like show, like, oh, you want to hug? No, it's show business. Yeah. What it is, is like, you know, people like marginalized, quote unquote, people, like, you know, they're big business, you know what I mean? So they're like, oh, like, and their stories are like, oh. So it's, it's, you know, I think people have gotten hip to, oh, snap, inclusivity equals money, you know? But I also feel talking about the changing landscape and just sort of moving out of like women and being a person of color, the business itself has changed because of streaming and theatrical and you have to be able to adapt, right? And that's one of the things that like, you know, we have had to really sort of be aware of, of like, okay, theatrical ain't what it used to be. Streaming is here to stay. But as a producer, how do you keep your sort of rights with you and not give away everything so that you can maintain, you know, a career? So that's like, so that's what's going on, you know, now in the sort of business and the changing landscape of it all. 
we just announced this thing, I don't know if you saw it, called the Diversity Gap Funding Initiative. We're creating both a grant program and a mentor program for kids who have gotten their first job of diversity who, because in order to work in show business, one usually has to be in either New York City or LA, one of the most expensive and hardest cities in the world. Right. So we are going to do, we, we are starting this program to really give our mentees guidance to not just, we're going to, it'll be some cash. It'll be also, but true adoption guidance to make sure they get launched. No, that's so. great. You know, that's one of the things that we have at Game Changer. We have Game Changer nonprofit. And part of mm-hmm. what we do is that we give a $25,000 stipend to producers to shadow and for crew members to shadow so that they, cause like who can actually afford to like work for free for months? Like you can't, I mean, it's right? just, that doesn't and, make and, rich and people can't like, and, regular yeah, folks exactly. Can't. So, so I, I, there's no pipeline. Right. You exactly. Know, not- that's what I'm saying. There's no pipeline. And that's why we're creating that pipeline. And we have that nonprofit. I mean, it sounds like our company is like, we have game changer nonprofit. We have game changer for profit. And it's true. Like, you know, it's that thing. And a lot of times kids don't even know that like, what, that's a job and be like, yeah, that's a job. And like, let's go. And one of the things that we're doing is like, look, you're going to shadow on like shadow me or shadow one of my producers on my film. And so that the next film that comes up, you know how to run it, right? How we run it at game changer. Like that's the whole point. And that's how we keep it moving forward and keep people working. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of, I mean, I think it's an exciting frontier that we're on now. We just, what, you know, co- when we announced this, a lot of companies said, well, we're doing it. Well, it's not enough. And that's why yeah. we're also stepping in. You know, it's, it's not done, not done yet. Exactly. So, well, I could talk to you for hours and I usually talk to you often. I'm so glad you could give us this time. I can't wait to see what's next. And congrats on your all your new noms. And I think we're seeing you at Sundance, right? Yes, I'm good. definitely going to Sundance. I'm figuring out my lodging. So I'm pulling oh. that together. Oh, <laughs> text me because I think I, I, heard, I have some. Um, oh, really? Some, Please do because yeah. that's legit where I'm like, I think I'm yeah. coming and I need to figure out what I'm going to be doing with my life. So yes, please do. Yeah. Thank you. I'll definitely text okay. you if you give me a number. Oh, good. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode of Hollywood at Home with the Creative Coalition featuring F.E.T. Brown. For more information about the Creative Coalition, please visit our website at thecreativecoalition.org or visit our social media. That's at the Creative Coalition on TikTok and Instagram and at the Creative C on Twitter.